Hello and welcome back to the ASAP Weekly Age of Empires podcast. I'm your host, Lazero, and I'm joined by Boxer Say. How's it going, Boxer Say? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. And then I'm also we're also joined this week by a very special guest, um, the uh, world-renowned Twitch streamer, Sayrums. How's it going, Sayrums? I'm doing really well, thank you. Um, do you feel like... Uh, I, I always think about this, right? Um, it, it is kind of crazy that a lot of the listeners and, and I'm sure a lot of your Twitch like viewers are from all over the world. Does that ever, uh, I don't know, freak you out or is it just something commonplace to you right now? I think that I, I think about this a lot. I think it's what makes this community really special is the fact that it's very international and you run into people from all over the world. So I think it's a, a great thing. I'm pretty aware of it because everybody's coming from different cultural viewpoints and you're interacting with them on a daily basis. So it's, I don't know, you get exposed to that a lot more in this game, I would say, than perhaps in the real world in most places. Oh, that's an interesting take. Like I... You wouldn't you wouldn't think it, but I think Age of Empires def- definitely has that. Where where um, I saw recently, there's there's some big streamers from South Africa. Like I I, I just I feel like um, you you get all these kind of communities, that, especially in esports, are, are less represented that are just in this game. And I also think since our audience does skew a little older, that also helps. So you actually have mature conversations and not I don't know I. So just just for reference, some of the other games that I play have much younger audiences, uh, and then you get into shenanigans with kids being kids. Um, but I digress. <laughs> uh, I think I think the way we want to start the show off here is just, just to ask a couple of questions, just uh, for our listeners who may not know who you are, um, and and hopefully, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll they'll get to know you here. Um, so the first question that we have for you is, what got you into the game Age of Empires? So um, I had this game back whenever I was a kid. Uh, When we got our first PC, this was one of the first games that uh, we had. But when I was young, I only played this in a very SimCity style. I would focus on building my cute city with my castles and my perfectly placed farms. And I may or may not build a big army and then fight against the easy AI. So <laughs> really didn't discover the like competitive aspect of it until um, the pandemic hit. I bought a new PC and I was like, Ooh, what games do I want to play? And I was on steam and I was like, Oh, they have a new age of empires. I, was like, I used to love this as a kid. And so that I was obviously seeing DE and, um, you know, I, ha- I was talking to some of my friends. I was like, oh, we could play multiplayer. They're like, oh, my God, I used to love that as a kid, too. So I was like, perfect. Let's get back into it. And so we started playing. And again, it started out just like playing against the AI. And then some of my friends were like, um, yeah, why don't you just stream it? And then the uh, rest was history. <laughs> um, I-, I really like the way you kind of book in that story. The rest was history. That's a great way to put it. Uh, Boxer saying, do you want to kind of throw the next question out here? I get, yeah, I got two. How long have you been streaming? I know I've been watching you for a couple months, but. So I, it was around October 2020 that, you know, I started getting into this game and then I turned on the stream. So it's been almost two years now. How how is your stream? I'm going off script. Sorry. How is your? Because now now I am interested. How has your stream changed from like that initial stream to to now? Do you do you know? Oh. Have you thought about that? Oh gosh. Well, okay. So when I first started streaming, I didn't realize that this community was still so active and alive and competitive. 
you know, I was just playing with my friends who were playing against the AI, but then I started streaming and I started seeing everybody else's stream. I was like, holy crap. I was like, this game is played at like the highest level of esports. And um, that was like a huge revelation for me. And I was like, man, I really want to get good now because like everybody out here is like a badass. And so, um, you know, it went from there, you know, me playing against the AI and people would come in and like backseat me to beat the AI and to me eventually getting into the ranked ladder and then trying to improve my ELO and then me, you know, starting to play in tournaments, like, and then getting into ranked team games and then meeting a ton of other people. And then it becoming much more of a, me being a part of the community. So yeah, I mean, it was, I kind of just stumbled into this world that I didn't know existed, um, especially because this game was so old. So it kind of, that was the catalyst for how my stream developed. What's your, what's your favorite civilization? Um, so far I really love Malians. Like if you come to my stream and I don't know what to play, I always play them because I remember whenever I was first starting out in ranked ladder, I didn't really know all of the civs. Like it takes so long for you to learn all of them when you're first starting out. And I randomed Malians. It was the first time I ever played them. And then in my chat was like, you should make Gabettos. And I was like, what is that? And I made Filthy Castle. I was like, they're women. I was like, this is amazing. I was like, I didn't even know that there was a unit in the game, like a military unit in the game that was a woman. So I think that that, you know, me being sort of a beginner player and not really knowing anything about Civ balance or whatever, I, that was the first reason why I liked them. And then I just found that I, you know, because I started playing them all the time, I got used to them. Um, and, you know, I started playing other maps like Nomad, um, where they're very, very strong and other hybrid maps like Four Lakes, um, where they shine. So I think that it just, I've kind of carried them with me from that moment when I first discovered them. Um, I was I was going to actually ask real quick. Um, this this is going to be a sidebar, but it will relate to this as well. Uh, how much have you tried of AOE four? Uh, just just kind of as it came out and stuff. To be honest, I played it twice. I played it once um, or twice when it was uh, early released to streamers. Um, so I got a, a copy of it like a week before the worldwide launch. And <laughs> sorry, um, that version of the game. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's probably a lot different now uh, than it was whenever I played it. I think there were still a lot of problems and bugs that they were working through. Um, And they probably added a lot on um, as far as content incentives and balanced um, changes since then. But, yeah, I kind of picked it up, put it down, and then didn't. I just went back to AoE 2, and that was the end of it. The the reason the reason I kind of wanted to bring it up is because uh, when we're asking like what your favorite civ is, I, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on the way the that AOE two kind of designs its civilizations, right? Like I, I would say with the newest expansions, there's going been kind of an effort to make the civs more unique, right? Um, but many like I would say there's once you've kind of learned a couple of the civs there's a lot of other civs you can really easily pick up right like there, there's only just a couple changes that come, comes from that do, do you i mean I, i'm just curious what your thoughts are on, on kind of the design uh of aoe2 in that sense so i think that i remember whenever i first was getting into competitive on ze and they, were, they had announced oh we're gonna release dlc with two new civs i was like what i haven't even learned 
the other ones, like, how am I possibly going to learn more? And I remember sort of feeling, um, you know, just apprehensive about it then. But as I got like more experience and played the game a lot more, I, I think it's good that there are new mechanics that are getting introduced. Um, I think that it always takes a little while for people to get used to stuff that's different than what they're used to before. Um, and that it's, you know, not always a super welcomed thing, especially when a new mechanic ends up being really OP and has to get nerfed a few times. But I think that's just the nature of RTS games in general. It takes a few tries to get it right. Um, and it takes a lot of people playing it and giving feedback and developers listening to that feedback to get it right as well. So, I, and I think that DLC and new content is a sign that the game is alive and well. It gives us something to sort of, you know, give back to the you know the developers to make sure that this business model still runs and that we still have a game that's getting maintained um and so you know i i welcome that i would rather uh, there be new stuff being released new stuff being worked on than us not hearing anything from developers um because they've got no way to sort of keep their business afloat and i i kind of find it very refreshing to have all these new sieves and i I would, I, okay, I don't want to say I'd argue for this style, but it, it is kind of feeling more and more that this is what um, I feel AoE 2 will head into, is that just when it, when there's a new expand, expansion, intentionally making a lot of those sieves overpowered is, is kind of the way I feel that they're going to do it. And the reason for this is just to get people to try it out, and then they kind of tone it back as it happens, right? Um, but I'm also curious if, if like... Eventually, we'll get to a point, and I may have said this on the last episode, but I'll say it again here, where um, we have so many sieves that you just kind of learn what are the in sieves right now, right? What are the meta sieves? And so people are just playing or practicing those. And then once there's another sieve that starts being really dominant, then people learn that one, as opposed to thinking of it in a way where it's like, oh, I have to learn 100 sieves. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we've seen identities of sieves change as like balance changes have been introduced as unique texts have kind of come in and out um, with different patches. So I would say that even though, like, you know, we have, there's a lot of sieves already um, that have very different, you know, um, uniqueness to them but I, like over, even from when I started two years ago to now like a, a sieve that's completely different for example um, or not is the Sicilians is like they whenever they first released IP, I think they had an identity crisis people were like what is the sieve even supposed to be now they've kind of emerged as a really strong Calvary sieve I mean that could end up changing one that's more subtle is um, Hindustanis formerly the Indians like that sieve has like identity has changed a bit now with this new DLC release um even though it's it's smaller things and then we also see like changes that happen in the game like um you know for example like um walls getting less hp that kind of you know pulls then emerged as like a really strong trush sieve um and that's kind of like their identity at least on closed maps so i would say that it's i like this game because it's ever evolving in that way and even though some sieves have been around for a really long time and maybe at their core like the identity stays the same like there's things that sort of change them and they evolve in different ways based on I don't know how the the game and the meta and the players are evolving. I, I think what you just said there kind of gives a lot of our listeners an insight into how there's so much 
of this game from a knowledge base perspective that you can improve on separate from the mechanics because i know there's a couple of games where um your knowledge or your strategy is is kind of you know let's just say that that's what you have to strive towards right i'll, I'll give an example right uh, a game that requires very little mechanics <laughs> Uh, but a lot of knowledge is something like a Hearthstone or Magic, right? Like a card game like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's other games that are very much focused on, okay, I just have to mechanically be able to execute this in just like with perfection, right? And it's more heavily focused on that. Um, a lot of first-person shooters will have that, for instance. There'll be map awareness and stuff like that. But still, at the end of the day, when there's a one-on-one, you know, who, who gets the headshot first, right? And Counter-Strike, well, that'll be the focus. And I think what's really cool about this game is there's so much to learn kind of when it comes to uh, your own civs that you're playing, specifically how they do against the the opponent civs that you're playing against, right? Knowing how those matchups match match up against each other. And then on top of that, there's like a vast amount of training and practice that it takes to to kind of get better from the mechanical side of things. Um, So it just just feels very, you know, for some people that can be daunting, but it's also very exciting because it doesn't feel like you ever run out of things you could get better at, which which is fun, I find. I think in a way that makes it more approachable because, I mean, even though it's daunting, um, you're like, oh my God, there's a lot that I need to balance to get good at this game. Um, but it's, you know, I, I look at a CSGO and I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to be good at that game. I'm just never going to be good at getting it, like, you know, headshots and flicks and things like that because it's just not part of my DNA. Um, but I look at a game like AOE and it's like, okay, I'm probably never going to compete at the highest level, but I think that there's high potential for me to get good because it relies not only on my mechanics and motor skills, but it also relies on me understanding, um, you know, the, the game and good decision-making. So I think that, you know, that's something that I feel like, okay, well, maybe I'm not as limited in that capacity. And then I think when you see the most improvements is when you get those two things to grow together. It's like your decision-making and your execution at the same time. And that's a really rewarding feeling. Um, yeah. And I think, I think from here, maybe it might be a good uh, place to uh, get into uh, a couple more of our set questions. Bakr, so you want to throw this in? <gasps> Yes. So <laughs> I think the next I, I kind of want to go to two. What let's go down to like what what are your current goals and your ambitions in AOE? So we talked about you're probably not going to compete at the top level, but do you what what is your goal in competition? What are you aiming towards? So um I just want to see like steady growth in my ability like so i mean elo is the easiest measurement that we have of that so you know i'm i've been a little bit on a a try hard grind in my stream lately playing a ton of 1v1s i've been focusing very much on a few maps to like really get better at some of my like decision making and my skills and so really you know it's like i'm i'm just striving to continue to improve um and to see that as a result um, but I also just, I realized, you know, for me, I've got to just continue to have fun at the game. Whenever I try to play too sweaty, it, it, it stresses me out. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, so, you know, just having fun with my friends and not uh, taking myself too seriously in this game is a goal that I also try to balance alongside of improving. But I think that, you know, without that competitive piece of it, um, then I, it wouldn't be as interesting to me. 
for sure. And I would also go ahead. Um, I I was I was gonna actually ask you this because I find when you are a streamer, you're always balancing the fact of like, okay, there's the focus on the stream, and I want this to be presented a certain way, right? Um, and I know I was I specifically I think your stream recently you were having like it was like Tato Tryhard. I don't know if this is like an event. Uh, I don't, you could you can inform me of that. Um, but uh, I, I just saw that you're doing a lot of one v ones, and I was curious whether when you're doing those like more try hard, more focused, competitive streams that you find yourself interacting a lot less with your chat, for instance, and focusing on um, things. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, uh, it, it's definitely a trade-off that you make as a, a streamer. Um, you know, the more you try to interact with your chat, it's uh, the less of a positive effect it tends to have on your win rate. Um, and it's, because it's just your attention is split and this game requires a ton of attention. So um, when I'm playing and I'm really trying um, to win, then yeah, I, I feel like there's long moments in my game. So I'm not saying anything at all, but I think that this, um, this community is understanding of that. You know, if, if it's somebody brand new and they've never seen this game before, they're probably like, she doesn't talk at all. This is boring. But for people who've been in this community, which is the majority of, I think the people who enjoy this, stuff on Twitch is um, they, they get it right that I'm going to miss a lot of stuff like while I'm in the middle of like some archer micro battle or you know a treb war and um, I don't think anybody really holds that against me I mean I think that people really enjoy those super intense moments of the game and I wouldn't they wouldn't be as intense if I was like you know, reading off everything in chat and not caring if things were just, my base was getting flattened or, or so on and so forth. So I think it's like a part of my content is that I am trying so hard and that I am focusing so hard on on, on getting better. Um, I, I kind of want to ask this question now, kind of speaking a little bit to when you're playing, what what do you find yourself usually doing like in games, your, your style? And what, what I mean by this is like, I think RTSs in general, right. Um, have always had this idea of the attacker and the defender, right. The person, the person who's trying to hold on and then, you know, macro up and win a game or someone who's usually putting on pressure early. Um, do you, do you find like there's one style that you prefer much more? Are you, are you, uh, are you, are you cheesy with your playing or are you more kind of focused on getting that big army and then just rolling over? So I like to think of myself as someone who plays um, a lot of different maps. Like I really oh, enjoy so, high. Mm-hmm. So depending on the map, you play a certain way. Is, sorry. I yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think it. I think it's like there's a couple of things to my play style. Like I, I get bored of playing the same thing over and over. So I like to mix it up with different maps and different sips. But I would say the most consistent thing like across all of the maps is that I'm kind of a, a macro player. Like I'm, I tend to do way better in the late game. Um, and I am a big boomer. So, you know, if I get the choice between adding a siege workshop and a TC, it's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's going to be rare that I'm not adding the TC. I think there was like a comment in my chat one time. They're like, what's Sarah's favorite building? And it was like, <laughs> they were like farms. And they're like, well, TC's first and then farms. And so, yeah, it was, uh, so I'm definitely, and then I have another friend who makes fun of me. They're like, what's Sarah's favorite favorite rush and they're like the eco rush (laughs) (laughs) 
and so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm probably, I think in more of my games, I'm a little bit more of a defensive macro style player, but I think that that also gets boring playing that way, um, over and over. And it also gets very predictable, especially like in tournaments and people are like looking up your games and sort of reviewing how you're playing. So you kind of want to surprise them every once in a while by, um, being aggressive. Um, and I think that at, at lower elos being aggressive can be can be really rewarding because you know it's like that people have a lot less um ability to focus on a lot of things at one time so some i think it's often that the aggressive player has an advantage um because they're the one putting on pressure so i'm trying to adapt a little bit uh for of that for my my play style is you know not necessarily always playing boomy and defensive all the time um because i think that it's uh, as it's, you know, it's not necessarily always the, the winning play. So, but yeah, I would say that there, it's a lot of things, but kind of a bit of that. I, I will say you definitely fall into the category of, uh, RTS purists who firmly believe that like the better player is the person who's going to win in like at, at the end of the game in late game. I, I like, I feel like there's just a sense like in, in RTS, it's like, this is the, uh, the platonic uh, ideal of what an RTS, like a good RTS player is, is they just like have, I don't know, five town centers and 200 villagers. And, <laughs> you know, they just, they just manage to, to win games that way. Um, but, but I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like, I think what you said about lower ranks is so true that any, any kind of aggression, of lower ranks will cause you to win a lot of games to players that, that don't know how to handle it. Um, but it, I, what I've always found is that the players that over rely on those kind of very, you know, they look up every single like, you know, cheesy strategy, like to, to attack early uh, that they can find online. And then they use it to get to a certain rank. And then they get really hard stuck there because after a certain point, right. There are players are just always going to defend against it and then have two more TCs than you. So I, I just find it's interesting that, um, it's like it's always good to, to for someone to like learn the economic aspect of, of building up that army because it requires so much like general ability. Um, but then mixing in those cheesy strategies and is is kind of where you you start to actually get into the strategy of the game as opposed to like oh before the game starts I've decided I'm doing this right. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's good to have a plan generally when you're playing, right? And um, but uh, you know, adaptation is equally as important. And I think that when you sort of get used to one tricking or doing a lot of like cheesy stuff over and over, then you, I think it's it takes away from the energy that you're putting into building your adaptation skills. Um, you know, not always, but I, I would say that, you know, it's easy to get like tunnel vision um, when you're playing in that kind of way. Um, so I try not to um, play in any one particular style um, because I, I, you know, I think that that's some, you know, that's another one of my AOE goals, I guess, is to be well-rounded. Like I don't want to be um, really, really good at just one thing. I would like to be pretty okay at a lot of things because to me that's a more interesting way to play personally and i'd argue aoe 2 specifically i think rewards players that have adaptability but as as well like there's only so much you can do with certain units when it comes to like micromanaging them um i don't think you can be so efficient that like like especially early game in this game right like you can't destroy buildings very quickly so you can't you can you can harass someone to death, but you can't really finish the game. And I think that that's an interesting like 
mechanic in the game itself, right? You just hide your villagers in town centers and then the game goes on, right? You don't... They can cripple you economically. They can't just end the game. Where a lot of our other RTSs, that's the case, right? Where early game, like, if you don't defend this, you're actually uh, straight up dead. Yeah, I mean, at lower elos, I think, like, comebacks are way more common than at a higher elo. Like, you lose two vills in, like, minute five, and when you're, like, two, <laughs> 2k, you're, you're just dead most of the time. But you lose, like, five vills in, like, Dark Age and um, at, like, 800 elo, and it's, like, it's not over. It's, like, it's not over until it's over, over. And so, and I also think that closing the game is a skill that like mm. even the, some players at the highest level struggle at right like so it's like you um like cutting off the opportunities for people to make comebacks on you even when you have yourself in an advantageous spot like that's you know something that you have to think a lot about um as you're trying to carry out your plan yeah i agree with that i think that's where i struggle is trying to close out the game i'd I'm kind of your inverse, right? You you'd rather sit back and boom, make TCs. I'd rather make siege, and like try to apply pressure and get the game over. But uh, oftentimes I'll get out boomed, and I I think the true test of like your skill is that boom, like boom up, do some scouting, see who comes out at the top of the end. That's how you can tell who's the better player. Um, if you get beat in a rush, that doesn't tell me that you're better than me. That just says, you know, you got. You, you got the edge with the rush. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that it's like, that's one of the beautiful things about this game. It's what causes like the most discussion all the time. It's like, what makes a player good? And it's like, mm -hmm. is it, you know, is it the execution? Is it the decision making? Is it being able to close games? Is it being able to keep my eco running? Is it being able to kill early? Like, I don't know. There's no right answer to that. It's like, there is no like objective way to define like what makes a player really good at this game unless we're looking purely at results right in tournaments and stuff but i think for us who are sort of like not at that echelon there's a lot of things that we could discuss on what like how do you get good <laughs> yeah I, so oh, go ahead i was just going to throw it here and i'm kind of curious since since you brought like up what makes a player good um i i feel like this is criminally undervalued for a lot of people that play this game um, is scouting and map presence like those two things um, scouting knowing what your opponent is doing right and then map presence being out on the map and you don't necessarily have to have every corner um, but where if your opponent is doing anything you're almost immediately identified of it because of the fact you have units kind of spread out across the map in different ways right and the pressure it could, it could be a forward castle but it can also just be Oh, I make sure that I have uh, something here, whether whether it's it's my scout or whether it's uh, a small army, um, just to make sure I know when the opponent kind of moves out. And I think even even better than that, it's if you can make the other player feel like they're penned in, you're already putting a lot of pressure without actually ever having to engage. Um, and I find a lot of people undervalue that. But I, what's your take on that? I agree. I mean, I think that, um, you know, people come to my stream and ask me, you know, they're like, I'm um, trying to break 1K, like, what should I focus on? And for players that I think that are below 1K, I always say, like, you know, focus on not idling your TC, focus on spending all your resources. But then I think if you're like above 1K, it's those things. It's like focus on scouting and focus on map control. Um, I think that those are the things that, um, 
like I, whenever I started really thinking about those critically, I, I felt like that I was getting better at the game. Like I noticeably felt like I was improving. And so it's, it's really um, important. And I don't know if like that gets stressed enough in like the different resources that people are using to sort of like help them learn more like YouTube and so on and so forth. But I think that, you know, whenever I was like, 800 elo and i'd run my scout into the other person's tc i'm like eh, whatever they weren't scouting me either it just you just build up your army and kind of cross your fingers and hope but like you know i do that now and i'm like devastated i'm like how could i do such a thing that's such a valuable unit oh my god how will i ever know um because so much of my decisions are based on that um and then yeah like so i think that before i would you know, sometimes I'd be playing and I'm like, oh, I just need to get to imp as fast as possible. But now I'm just like, oh, I, I really like what does imp get me if I don't control any of the map? You know, what is like what does these other things get me if like I don't have like things positioned in the way that I need or I'm not controlling um, different areas of the map like I need to. So you I think as you develop at the game, you start thinking about those things naturally. But if you're very deliberate with thinking about them, you'll probably develop a lot faster. And I think as far as scouting goes, it's almost a secondary skill because you have to know what you're looking for when you're scouting. Um, we, I was playing with Duke Canada, one of our mutual friends, and we're doing 4v4s, and we walk into this guy's base, and he's Vietnamese, and he's on the flank, so we're expecting to see him making archers, and it's early feudal, and he's got nobody on gold. Like, we don't see an archery range, and we literally just left. We, le we left his base and went to his teammate because we were like, this guy's not making archers. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but, you know, a year ago, I would have walked into his base and had no idea, and only know that he's not going archers because I know an archer's build. I don't know, you need three or four on gold when you hit feudal to get those archers moving. Um, so those are the types of things. You need to learn the builds and, and learn how to execute. Then you can start seeing, okay, what is this guy doing? Why does he have Why does he have nobody on gold in feudal? Probably because he's going scouts. Um, yeah. But, it, but then at the same time, it only works when you're kind of at 1k elo or above. Because below 1k elo, he might be going archers, he just so bad he doesn't hasn't thought about gold yet. <laughs> your your knowledge, you, if you have really good knowledge, you've been, you've been watching a lot of like tournaments, right? That knowledge is not going to help you necessarily if you're below a certain rank because the players won't even won't even resemble anything that you would think of uh, when it comes to that. <laughs> That's so true. I mean, yeah, I that it's like below one k is just like the wild west. It's you never really know what you're gonna get. Like you'll you'll go up against just like you know, like Kelp Paladin, like because it's like someone just always plays knights and or something like that, and it's so hard to to make decisions off of it. But yeah, and scouting, like I don't know, it develops too. Like as you play, you know, it's one thing to just send your scout around and see what they're doing. You know, another piece of scouting is like clicking on a unit, seeing what upgrades they have, so that you can like judge, like, oh, are they like investing in their archers? Like, are they getting like um, fletching in defense? Are they gonna go knights? Like, do they have plus two? Are they gonna go all in? Are they adding TCs? Like, you, I think that as you um, get better your the scouting also gets a little bit more in depth um as you're trying to not just figure out like what the opening is but also like what their transitions might be what their plan is with their ego and, and so on and so forth 
Yeah, and then and then knowing how to respond to that. If you see fletching on an archer, what does that mean for you? Do you what do you do with your skirms? You know, do you go base skirms? Do you need to add armor? Um, knowing yeah. knowing what to do with that information is the next step. That's that's what I like about RTS is it's these little building blocks, and you just add one at a time, and you can slowly see yourself progress. Uh, Sarah, I expect a lot of the listeners aren't competitive players. I know just by the numbers majority of rts even age two players uh they just play against the ai they play against you know in campaigns they don't go to the ladder so what is your advice for anybody that hasn't hit the ladder yet what what can they expect and what's your advice i think like most people are afraid to jump into ranked because they're like oh i'm just gonna get clapped over and over and over again and like what they don't understand is that like the system is literally designed for you to get even games i think that the most painful part is often placement games right where you're trying to figure out like where you're supposed to plug in um as far as your starting elo goes but once you get past that then literally 50 percent of your games you should win and 50 percent of your game you should lose. And so it's, um, I think that it's like, just bite the bullet, get through your placement games, and then you're going to have fun, even games that are a lot more interesting than playing against the AI. Cause like, once you play against the AI, like you learn what the, it's going to do. Like it's, it's pretty predictable at a point, but like hu- humans are unpredictable. And that's what is the beauty of like this, you know, the PPP, um, in, in this game is that it's like, you're going to run into like lots of different, um, Uh, points of decision making that you won't run into with the AI. So that's my advice is just like trust the system, just get into it, get through the placement games, get to where your ELO is. And then it's so rewarding to see your ELO improve as you get better at the game. You don't get that with an AI. You get like, there's like only like really basic levels. It's like, okay, I beat medium and now I can beat hard and then I can beat extreme and then it's like after you beat extreme like well what is there there's like not really this measure of yourself improving and so i would say that like you're not going to get that until you jump into um into multiplayer uh so i suggest that if that's important to you um then it's better to get started sooner rather than later so you get you you know you only get better at this game by playing it a lot um so that's that's my advice yeah, and I, I think um, a thing that I find is, sorry, you just I just had like a nostalgia flashback because I, I just like went back to when I was 12 or whatever, and I remember playing AoE 2, and I felt like hard difficulty stressed me out to no end. <laughs> like I felt like that was the thing that I'm like, no, I can't play. I was, I was playing with my friends. I, Matt, Matt, I think Matt actually was on the show sometimes. Uh, I, I was playing with him as well, and I was like, "No, we can't go against a hard opponent. That's too much for me." Um, <laughs> and, then, and then, and then, kind of fast forwarding, right? And I spent what, like, eight years playing StarCraft II. Um, I, I, I think I remember going into D and like clicking ranked, and I feel I just sometimes, especially like early on, it's where I don't necessarily have any build orders or, or things with the game kind of set in, but because I spent eight years and got to whatever the top 10 percent at least in that other game um it, it was just so funny going into this game and being like oh i'm not stressed at all because i don't know what i'm doing but i will build more stuff than you and i'll probably be fine uh for the beginning <laughs> at least so uh it was very very rewarding for me in that sense but i i also remember that because especially like 
this is like going back to like, like 2011 2012 but like I, I remember especially early on when i was playing playing that game and playing ranked um there was so much like weird self-worth thing where it's like oh i need to be a certain rank this is this is like this this is meaningful to me right and i think i think just the reality is understanding that these ranks reflect more your progress and less your progress plus probably your current um amount of practice you're putting in um and and you know are you also being smart about it? Because uh, playing ranked when you're in a really anger move is gonna, you know, definitely give you like, you know, make you lose points. But uh, it's also the, just this idea that like you shouldn't look at it. It's like yes, you have this goal um, in in uh, ranked itself or in in the elo right to get a certain certain elo. Um, but you, I think your progress shouldn't just be measured by that, especially early on because it's so volatile early on. I think it'd be better to measure your progress in. Did I get to like, I would even like, especially early on, it's like, did I get to this? Like, just give yourself a number of villagers. Did I get to this many villagers? If the game went by, you know, if like we're 20 minutes into the game, right. Did I have enough production facilities to produce stuff where I'm like floating, you know, 10,000 food. Um, it's it's one of those things where there's so many other things that you can use as metrics to actually see if you're improving or not and improve those first before just worrying about what this elo would uh do, like mean to you i agree i mean i think that whenever i first started playing ranked i was like i'm gonna be this elo by this many games and i would like give myself kind of these like deadlines in which i must get to this number and i think that that's really um, not a good way to look at it because then you're, then you feel like you failed if you don't hit that number in that amount of games. And then you, you, it starts to compare yourself to other players and it's like, wow, they have half as many games as me. And they're like twice my ELO. How is that even possible? Like, I'm just such a slow and stupid learner. Like, but that's not it, right? Like, it's like you, it's like people like learn this game in different ways. Like some people just play it over and over and over. They don't review their games and it's going to take them probably a lot more time to get better than someone who looks at every single loss, like figures out what their mistakes are and then grinds on fixing those particular mistakes. So it's like that, that person is probably someone like me who's probably played RTS for a decade in another game and you're like how do they get here so quickly what's like no they have transferable skills <laughs> that exactly. unfortunately you have to start in the beginning and learn it step by step right so you, you first of all you just can't compare yourself to other people and then you have to find the learning style that works for you like that kind of grind of like reviewing every single loss you know like focusing on like fixing like one mistake at a time like yes like that is like a road to rapid improvement but it can also be like exhausting and <laughs> probably not not as fun as like trolling around with your friends in like a team game you know so it's like that's what i meant by like earlier when i said it's like balancing the try hard grind but also like like having fun at this game because it's, you know, like if you get too caught up, then you're just going to stress yourself out because you're not improving in the way that you want to improve. And sometimes you're improving, but it's not going to reflect in your ELO. Like I also mentioned like, okay, well your decision-making and your mechanics kind of have to match up in order for you to like, sort of like overall improve. Sometimes you're learning what decisions you should be making, but it takes a little bit of time to catch up to that execution in the game. Right. And so, you know, it's like, even though it feels like I'm thinking about the game in a better way, but it's just not showing when I play, it's like, you're still getting better because you're thinking about the game in a better way. And then once that other piece catches up, 
then you might see your ELO go up. But it's like, I think that it's, you know, that progress looks different from different people. And the most, it's at the end of the day, it's a game and we should be having fun. So like the most important thing is like, no matter how you're improving or playing or what your goals are, like just always try to have fun while you're doing it or it's not worth it at the end of the day. And like, I, I think that's definitely like a mentality thing too, as well as like, a lot of these pros, like someone who's getting to that highest rank, right? At some point, like the game stops being fun for them. And what I mean by that, it's like, you know, there's only so long you can do the same build. If that, like you probably have to do the same build, I don't know, a hundred times, right? And you do the same thing and you do all the, you have to make sure you don't make any mistakes and you're always consistent with it. It's like, there's no way that's going to be fun, but it's also like that only matters when you're in like the top 0.1%, right? Um, it's just like for so many other of us it's like watching a replays for instance right if if i if i hear that someone's watching the replays i know that 100 percent they're gonna rank up probably faster than every other person but i also know that they have decided i'm gonna suck the soul out of the fun in this game like they they've made that conscious decision that i will i for for these uh, you know imaginary online internet uh, video game points i'm going to do this thing to be fair i don't actually begrudge them because if your goal is to get better that's how you're going to get better and I, a lot of people there are people who enjoy learning right like i think my only advice to someone who's going so try hard into it is that to accept the fact that like you should be someone who enjoys learning about these little things and and improving incrementally like you should have a joy in that um because if you're doing it despite yourself because you, I don't know, you're trying to prove something. Um, I mean, I, I think it would be very, it would be more soul crushing than it will be helpful. Um, but I think if you can find joy and, and, and like, there are people who like learning different things. So I, I, I don't necessarily begrudge anyone who's, who's getting a little too try hard. Uh, but I think your point stands, right? Is to find different ways to make sure the game is continuously enjoyable, that you're not just uh, kind of making yourself into a robot and just doing a thing a thousand times. Yeah. And I mean, like if you're in this community and you play ranked and you care about your ELO and things like that, then, you know, you're a competitive person by nature. Like you're going to put a lot of pressure on yourself by nature. You're going to feel disappointed in yourself by nature if you're not improving at the in the way that you want to um, or, you know, you, you play really badly for a streak and, and so on and so forth. And I think that like the highs and the lows and like the emotionalness of this game, like is a part of why it's like, you know, that we all care so much about it and why we're so into it. So just, I would say like, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's not every single moment. It can be joyous. It's just impossible, but it's like, learn to appreciate it holistically. Like, you know, the highs and the lows and like why you care about this so much and because, and, and, you know, being around other people who also care about it so much, like that's another piece of the experience that you've got to take into account and i think that's a part of the reason why we're all here and we all enjoy it so it's about like you know like just like not not being so hard on yourself and and just like realizing like hey like we're it's we're all in this together like we can relate like it's a thing we're competitive people so yeah it's a balance all about balance um i was all oh yeah maybe, maybe. boxers say get in here i haven't heard you in a bit <laughs> so i think we're, we got to a couple more questions left. What's your, if you have one favorite Ailey memory, what is it? Um, I'm trying to think. There's, I don't know if this is my favorite, but this one's a pretty funny one that sticks out to me. Um, so like, you know, 
back in the day, this was a while ago, I was like playing a team game with Slam Jam, which, you know, he's a he's a fan favorite. And I was a little starstruck that I was in a team game with with Slam. And we were actually playing, I believe it was a 2v2. And um, I was trying to play archers, which I'm, you know, if you watch my stream, I'm, archers are still something I'm, I'm trying to work at, and even more so back then. Um, and he's like, typing to me in the game chat, he's like, okay, let's move out. And um, I'm like, all right. And, you know, like right when his army like gets to my base, like I'm just in such a starstruck panic that I delete my archery ranges like completely on accident, <laughs> like right in front of him as I'm trying to delete a wall so that I can get my army out of my base. And I was just like, oh, oops. And he was like, he, you know, he sent me some 11s like in the chat, but it was just so funny. Because I was like, wow, I get, like, one chance to play, like, a 2v2 with Slam and, like, look at what I'm doing. And it was just such a funny moment um, that, like, I'll always remember that. He probably has, doesn't remember at all. But for me, I was, like, because I was so starstruck at the time, I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? <laughs> um, and we lost pretty badly. But, um, but it was okay because it was still fun. <laughs> That's great. Um I, I think I think it's a whole separate thing as well. It's like if if anyone ever plays against their favorite streamer or, or their favorite pro, all of a sudden you like you stop. No, it's like this game, this game that you like take pretty casually, right? All of a sudden it's like game seven <laughs> of like an NBA finals or something. Uh, and you're just like super stressed out and you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm so nervous. I don't know why. Well, I do know why, but still. Uh, so I find that's great. That's why Lazero doesn't play team games with me anymore. He gets too nervous. <laughs> You're just too much of a star for me, Boxer Saint. Yeah, I can't you, handle you, the pressure. I, I can't. I get blinded by your light. Um, <laughs> anytime I match up against a streamer on the ladder, like I get nervous. I'm like, oh gosh, like it's another streamer. I've got to really try hard. I I don't like. It's I don't know why. It's just uh, um, because you know that person, and I think like anytime you're up against someone that you know it's a different feeling than, you know, just a total random stranger or someone that you admire, like in the case of like, if you are in a, a game against a pro or something like that, you're just like, yeah, it, you feel the pressure. You put it on yourself. <laughs> I think that's great because like, all I'm thinking now, it's like, I want that streamer tournament now where you just get all the streamers in and uh, let, let's see, let's see. You you make you you match people up with like the person like before the before you start the Twitch streamer tournament. I think like what you do is you get everyone to write down which Twitch streamer they're like the biggest fan of, and then make sure all those people match up against each other, uh, just to see if if the person can play. I don't know. This is an idea. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm now brainstorming. All right, Boxer Saint. Uh, I see you got one more on the list here. Yeah. So just tell us about your stream, Sarum. Uh, when do you stream? What kind of where, when, where, uh, what kind of content can people expect? Just uh, uh, do a little promo sure. run here. So uh, it's Twitch TV slash Serums. And I, um, you know, lately it's been a lot of my try hard 1v1 grind on the ladder. I sit kind of currently somewhere between like 1250 and like 1300 um, ELO. So it's not the highest level play, but, um, I think it's a, a level where a lot of people can relate and there's a lot of things that we can collectively learn together. So, um, you know, that, and I also, you know, 
sometimes I enter tournaments. Sometimes I'm, you know, playing certain maps or sometimes I'm playing show matches against other people. Um, you know, I try to do some community stuff. Like I had a day um, not that long ago where I was just doing 1v1s against viewers. Uh, people come into my chat all the time and they're like, 1v1me, bro. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to make a whole day of it so that anybody who needs to like scratch that itch, like let's just do it. And that was a lot of fun. And I was playing against people of like all different ELOs, which I think is actually great because it's like, you know, playing against someone who's a lot better than you, like that's another way to get really good. Um, you know, you get, it, you might get, clapped but like there's a lot of things to learn um so i think that's also something that's beneficial for me but it's it's a lot of that and then you know i have a discord i interact with people a lot in my discord um we send a lot of memes you know sometimes we play some team games off stream um so yeah i mean it's kind of run of the mill aoe streamer stuff but i think you know it's like, I think what people probably relate to the most, as I mentioned before, is my my grind and me wanting to get better um, and me like sort of looking at my games and my mistakes or my weaknesses. And um, and Chad is always amazing at calling that stuff out too, Kappa. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and then I stream around like 13 GMT. Um, you know, I, I'm currently in Germany, even though I'm, I'm from the US. So it's like... Um, you know, around like 3 p.m. German time um, is when I start, which I, I I don't even know for the American times anymore. For, for it's like Americans morning. in the morning, yeah. sometime in the morning. Yeah, it's in the morning, um, maybe a little bit early for, for West Coast people, but um, pretty much like when East Coast people are, are getting to work is around the time that I stream. But I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what schedule works best for me on the weekends. I might stream at a later time. Just kind of depends on, on what's going on. But yeah. So, so there you go. Well, uh, we'll include the link uh, in the uh, the show notes for anyone who who wants to drop a follow there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go into wrap up mode here a little bit. Um, for those, uh, we're, we're gonna get an episode out uh, in a month or so before the uh, legacy tournaments, so uh, we'll have a preview there. Um, also, uh, I like to just shout out all our patrons here at the end of the show. Um, in Zodiac, uh, Chaos Maker, Space Bear, uh, Awesomeness, Caleb, um, Raz, and Paint. Thank you so much for your continued support. And then, uh, yeah, I guess I guess this will be a good a good way to uh, end it. Thank you so much, Serums, for being on the show. Um, I think you brought a lot of insight, and I think especially um, what I like is that I feel like you're very much on the pulse of. Uh, the AOE2 community right now, uh, what, what they're talking about, uh, especially in-game. Um, and so I thank you once again for graciously being on our show. And uh, yeah, Boxer's saying it's also great that you're here, kind of. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course, I'm off, naturally. Um, no, it's great. Uh, so, so thank you so much as well. Thank you so uh, much for having me. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, that's good to hear. Uh, at least, at least we didn't bore you. So that's that's good. Um, anyway, uh, from ourselves here, ASAP Weekly. We'll see you all next time. Peace. No buys. Okay.